Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. So good to see all of you. Those of you that are watching online, we welcome you this morning as well. Those of you that are in the building, it's great to see your beautiful faces. Mostly beautiful. You're all beautiful. All God's little children. Amen. Amen. All right, we're on uh, part something, four, I think, of, or three of the journey of faith. And uh, I have, I told the guys this morning, I don't need any more than about two hours to get this teaching uh, laid out. I really do. But I, I am going to try to remember all the little children back in jam. <laughs> And the preschool. I love to be loved by the teachers back there, and I don't like to not be liked. But sometimes they start praying against me back there. All right, open your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to jump right into this the journey of faith. Today, I'm going to lay out something that I have been. Uh, working through for a couple of weeks in my own walk. Uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like right now, um, you guys are just getting to witness me preaching to me. And uh, I have a lot to say to me because uh, there's a lot in me that yet needs uh, to come under the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ and uh, the renewing of the mind, the getting all the junk. Anybody have any junk left in your life besides me? I mean, I, I, y'all know I do, but uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in us that hinders us on our journey of faith. A lot of stuff. In a lot of ways, uh, until Holy Spirit reveals it, or brings it to our attention, or we read it, or so we hear somebody preach it, uh, it, it, it finds a way just to settle quietly, undisturbed. But it affects your faith journey. It affects when you need to have that uh, grace of faith, that supernatural faith, that that faith that moves mountains. And oftentimes, by the time we need to activate that kind of faith, we're desperate. So we're not operating in faith. We're, we're operating in some kind of desperate hope. Not the God kind of hope. <laughs> the Oops, I've waited too long. And now I need somebody to come along beside me. How many of you thank God somebody comes along beside you when you need them? I am thankful that, that uh, everything we have need of, the Word says, declares that it's, it's already been provided for. That's why a long time ago I preached this message a year or two ago or three years or five years or sometime. But uh, learning how to stop praying prayers that have already been answered, right. wasting time. Like, I don't pray about grace anymore. I mean, that's really kind of a crazy prayer. <laughs> oh, God, give me the grace today for this. The grace has already been provided. Why are you wasting your time and God's time? Yeah. What he wants you to do is step out and walk in it. Yeah. 
And uh, so anyhow, I got a lot I want to share out of two amazing stories, um, and I'll get to them in a few minutes. But I want to read you a couple of scriptures first, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And uh, today I'm kind of reading a lot out of the New King James Version. I preached all that for 30 plus years, kind of went back to it this week a little bit. So uh, it'll tell you up there which version I'm reading out of. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 9, for in him dwells how much of the fullness? All the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are what? Look up there and read it. Let's read it from the beginning again. For in him, come on, read out loud. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I cannot preach every one of these scriptures, but that is powerful. So are you complete in him or not complete in him? Some of you woke up this morning, did not feel complete in Christ. But when you're complete in him, you don't live by the feelings or emotions of your life trying to dictate to you, no, you're not really complete. John chapter 1, verse 16, and of his fullness, we have all received, what? Grace for grace. And of whose fullness? Christ Jesus. And, and how many of you believe Jesus is full today? How many of you believe he's complete today? All right, half of you just, don't want, you just won't raise your hand, will you? How many of you will not raise your hand? Let me see your hand. We are complete in his fullness. And then John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, these three scriptures have nothing to do with my message. They're just so powerful. They're like an appetizer. The other night we went out to dinner with my adult kids. Boy, that cost me a fortune. <laughs> Suzanne said, we, we can't do that really often. You know, and I'm kind of thinking about it ahead of time, so I'm, I'm ordering just one small glass of a drink and just a meal, but, but all of a sudden I see appetizers come to the table. Well, who ordered appetizers? <laughs> I'm sure Luke did, but uh, I'm sure his brothers were okay with it and his mom was okay with it. And, and, uh, and so this is an appetizer this morning, these three scriptures. And I have to admit, once they're on the table, you know, I'm going to nibble on them, right? I mean, because they're good, but, but I've got a full meal coming, so I'm, 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 I'm waiting. But 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfected. It's been what? Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Man, you've got to get a hold of this last sentence. Look at this. Because as he is... So are we in this world. Meditate on that for a moment. I mean, how many of you fully believe that Jesus is complete? He's lacking nothing. Because as he is, so are we. I have been quoting this and meditating on this all weekend long. I still can't get past it. So are we. I'm complete in Christ. I'm full in Christ. All the purposes of God that have been established by God 
for my life and your life is complete in Christ Jesus. Now, God's not going to come down here and walk it out. And if you, the appointed one, doesn't walk it out because of all the reasons and excuses that I'm not complete, I'm not full, I'm not as good as he is. I can't do everything Christ did. Then you're calling Christ a liar. Because he said, these things you're going to do. Man, I've been meditating on that. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, if you could only believe, you can speak to the mountain and cast the mountain into the sea. Well, let me ask you a question. How many mountains, literal mountains, did Jesus ever cast into the sea? Not one. Why did he say it then? Because there are mountains in our life that we have to learn to speak to. Last night during the six o'clock prayer time here, um, I was out walking and having my own prayer time at the same exact time, praying and worshiping, and I'd gotten a hold of a song called, anybody remember what I said it was? Something about... Uh, <laughs> it was a great song. <laughs> what is it, Hector? Speak to the mountain. And I was worshiping, Dog. I was, I was worshiping, and all of a sudden, I saw the mountain of multiple myeloma. And I remembered a message I preached years ago. We got to stop telling God how big our mountains are. And we got to tell our mountains how big our God is. And I'm walking down the road, and I just begin to speak to that mountain. Begin to declare to that mountain, you have to move. You have to move. God's Word declares it. So therefore, you have to come under the authority. The mountain in my life of multiple myeloma has to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Therefore, when I speak it, it doesn't matter what I see. When I speak it, God's Word is declared. And your mountain, what is your mountain? Everybody in this place has a mountain. And we sit around and go, well, I know he said I could speak to the mountain, but, but I don't really think I can because, well, he is Jesus and I am not. Everything Jesus did, he did for a purpose and a reason. To enable us, his children, to walk out the fullness of all that he has. We are complete. Listen to this, and lacking nothing. We're complete in Christ, lacking nothing. Everything we have need of has already been provided. As he is, so are we. All right, I got to move on. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm not going to read one for the sake of time. Two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. If we're going to walk out our journey of faith 
and overcome. Today, I'm, I'm talking about two things. I'm going to talk about our journey of faith and the obstacle of unbelief. And I got, a, I got just a crazy revelation, even in my own life. Not about you guys, about, I'm, just about me. And I started asking myself two and a half weeks ago. I was walking down the road praying one morning early. And I started asking myself, can I be both a man of faith and operate with unbelief in my life. Boy, I'm glad I'm not looking at y'all for the answer because I'd be schizophrenic. (laughs) You want your answer to be no, impossible. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not what the Word of God says or shows. Our battle to walk our journey of faith is every bit as much against the spirit of unbelief as it is in trying to grow our faith. That unbelief affects us in significant ways. All you have to do is listen to yourself or your little circle friends talk. You'll hear faith then you'll hear unbelief. And then you'll hear faith, then you'll hear unbelief. And it'll just be intertwined among the whole conversation. One minute y'all are believing, the next minute this is the reason why it can't happen. I think the, the, I think COVID A wicked attack against our whole world has been used by God to reveal to so many of us who we really are in Christ Jesus. If we even have any faith or how we operate in that faith or how we operate in that fear. And that our decisions, the way we move, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we respond. It's just really kind of revealing what what is really down deep in our lives. That's not a bad thing. I can tell you this, cancer revealed a whole lot of stuff in me that I didn't know I had. Things that I've walked out over the last 20 months, I've never had to walk out in my entire life. Come up for prayer. Oh, yeah, pastor, will pray for you. I'll pray and lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, whatever. Because it was irrelevant. Until all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where now everything that wasn't is. Everything that wasn't relevant becomes relevant. How you walk it out, how you respond. The necessity for what I've been saying over and over and over again Prayer every day in your life, the Word of God every day in your life, worship every day in your life. Don't forsake the assembling of the fellowship of the brothers. You got to stop forsaking church. Don't let your government tell you to stay home. Let anybody else tell you. Use whatever wisdom you got to use, but I'm telling you, the enemy, I mean, there are whole churches and whole 
families of people across our nation today in America that are kicked back in their PJs and they have grown comfortable with their little church. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because there are things that we need every day in our life. And, and when we're in the Word and, when we're, and we're in worship and we're honoring the Lord and we're praying, we're going to come to this scripture that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He says, you have to renew your mind if you're going to be a person of faith. Come on, more than seven of you say amen. you got to renew your mind. Because your mind, every day, you walk out of here in a few minutes, and by the time you hit the, your car in the parking lot, your, your mind probably needs to be renewed. Things happen. And how we respond determines what level, what degree of faith, obedience, receiving from Christ. Receive something from the Lord and walk out the door and want to cuss somebody out in the parking lot. I'd say we need to renew our mind. James chapter 4, verse 7, you know this scripture. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I, I am learning in this walk my journey right now every day. Every day, not a day goes by that several times a day I don't find myself going, I resist that in the name of Jesus Christ. I resist that lie. I resist this feeling. I resist this pain. I resist this ache. I resist this thought. I resist. I resist in the name of Jesus Christ because only what God's word has to say can have fruit in my life. The Word of God has to be validated, validated by my faith, by my action, by my decision. I have to overcome unbelief. And every time I get one of those pains, I walked in here this morning with a crutch, with a cane. It's two days ago, just out of nowhere, all of a sudden my whole hip just went kapoop. And, and I, I couldn't eat. This morning, Suzanne's like, honey, are you going to be able to preach? It's a miracle right now. I'm just, I, I mean, it's just amazing. I, I stood up back there in the back. I got my hips straight. I got my legs lined up right. And, and I'm trying not to do crazy moves or whatever. But, but I have to resist the enemy and the fear that comes with it. Just like in your life, you're going through things. You have mountains in your life that, that the Lord wants you by faith to walk out and overcome on your journey. To, to do it, you got to resist the devil. You got to learn how to speak to the mountain. You got to deal with unbelief. And you can't do that if you're not worshiping in the word and prayer every day throughout the day. Church once a week is not good enough. There ain't nobody, there's not a preacher in the world that can give you everything you need in an hour. Nobody's that good. Jesus wasn't that good. <laughs> Resist him and he will flee. So faith and unbelief. The question is, can you have them both working at the same time in your life? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is 
the gift of God. Now read all of chapter 2 later on during the day. Write this down in your notes and meditate on that. But the, the, the gift of faith has been dropped in your heart, and that's why if you're saved this morning in here, you love Jesus. It's not because you got up one day and went, oh, yeah, I've sowed my oats, I've, I've done the thing, I've tried it all the world. I, I think I'm going to go get saved today. <laughs> Nobody gets saved that way. You can't get saved without the seed of faith being dropped in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Convicts you. Thank God. How many of you have just love conviction? Let me, I'm going to wait until I see all your hands. You love conviction. Say, Pastor, I hate the feeling of conviction. I didn't say anything about loving the feeling of conviction. You love the fruit of conviction. You're, you're still with the same wife or husband today because of conviction. Because you won't just walk away. You didn't kill your kids because of conviction. I've seen some of y'all. I've seen some of those facial expressions. I've seen some of you at the light, and your arm grew six and a half feet as you stretched to the back to wring one of your kids' neck. You didn't know Pastor was sitting next to you in the other car. You, you, you thought you recognized his car. Faith given to us by the grace of God. It's a gift. Can you say amen to that? And it's given to us by measure. Say measure. Everybody in this place might stretch some of your theology right now, but listen to me. Every one of us in this place was given the same measure of faith. The Lord didn't back up a dump, dump truck to give Suzanne Brantley her faith. And then Dana comes along and he says, well, I got a teaspoon. Somebody else comes along, well, I got a tablespoon. Everybody was given the same measure of faith. And oftentimes in our journey, we find ourselves thinking, I just got to grow my faith. I got to grow my faith. I got to grow my faith. And our faith will grow by the hearing of the word. <laughs> by walking out the fullness of all the promises that God has. But the counterattacks against your faith, which are unbelief, actions, negative talk, Sometimes your husband or your wife or your children, definitely television, definitely 2021 cable news, kills your faith. It kills your faith. You, you, you can't fill your mind with the Word of God, hope, faith, trust, belief in what God's saying, and also fill it at the same time with all the negative stuff. You cannot handle all the people that were killed yesterday around the world and the gory details of each one of them. But some of us watch it and listen to it like, I, I, I have to do something about this. You will, you'll destroy your faith. Destroy your faith, you can't handle that. You gotta live in the now moment where you are, what God has for you, because he's got something he wants you to walk out. But to do it, to get there, you got to deal with the stuff that's working to keep you from getting there. See, I don't, I don't believe 
that you have baby faith, that you got to spoon food, spoon feed your faith. I believe that's why it's so important. Wednesday night, boy, for those of you that uh, were not able to be with us, it was an incredible night. Wonderful night. Presence of God was so strong. Worship was powerful. People were healed. People's lives were touched. A lot of children got filled with the Holy Spirit, got a release in their heavenly language, began to pray in tongues all across this congregation. Our children, we are foolish when we think that our children cannot receive from God. I'm standing here today preaching the gospel because God got a hold of my life at eight years of age. And it's never changed. Eight years old, when salvation freely given to me, I received. Yeah, all the big words that came with it, I didn't understand. But I look back today and I still don't understand some of those words. But I understand what happened to me that morning. I've never forgotten when I got baptized at eight years of age. My little black pants, little white shirt, lined up down at the lake. And when I went down, all of my horrible sins went with me. And when I came up, I came up in the newness of the life of Jesus Christ. All things passed away. All things now have a right to become new. Our children experiencing the presence and the power of the living God when they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. Praying in tongues, worshiping God. Down here in the front, not ashamed to worship God. What in the world does the world have to offer you to keep you from coming and being a part of that? What soccer game is worth missing that? What dance recital is worth missing that? I'm telling you, in the days ahead that we're walking in, the things in this world are going to happen so bad and so rapidly that you're going you're to want to run to the house of God with your kids in tow. Because you're going to need the family of God. Because in America, we're going to become as desperate as they are in other nations of the world. Because they don't have all the luxuries that we have today. Mm, Getting quiet here in this Pentecostal spirit-filled tongue-talking church. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man. The, say the, the measure of faith. Do you have enough faith in your life? The answer is yes. Say, I don't feel like I got enough faith. You have the same measure that Abraham had. You have the same measure that Peter had. You have the same measure that Paul had. You have the same measure that Pastor George has. What you do with it will determine everything. How you walk that out will determine the rest of your life. Because all believers, given the same measure of faith, what we do with it will be determined by the decisions that we make in our life. Remember Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, without, without what? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's never asking you to do something that he, look at here, hasn't already graced you to do. You have the grace to walk in faith 
because he already gave it to you. That's why you don't have to run around praying for grace. The grace of God is already there. And it's sufficient to meet every need. I got I to move on to, the, my two, to my actual message. I'll get there in a second. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I love this. Peter declares we have like precious faith with him. I- identical faith. The power of identical to be identical. And remember, the Peter that just wrote this is not the same Peter that followed Jesus around for three years ago, sticking one foot in his mouth only to take it out to put the other one in. The one who says, whipped out his sword and said, Lord, I will never, I, these other guys are going to forsake you. I know, Lord, I'm sorry. They're, you know, they are what they are, but I will never forsake you. And Jesus just looks at him, man, you know his heart was broken for Peter. Peter, before, before this night is over, you're going to deny me three times. Thank God for the atonement and the blood of Jesus Christ and redemption because Peter came fully into the forgiveness of God. When that rooster crowed that third time, and it says in scriptures that Peter looked up and across the garden where Jesus was being beaten, that Jesus looked up and looked him in the eye. (laughs) I don't know about you. I don't know if I'd have had the strength even to stand up and stagger out of that garden. I mean, Peter's looking at the one, and he had just said, no, I do not know him. And then he encounters the power of the Christ. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaks in a heavenly language. Walks out, preaches the gospel. 3,000 people come to Christ. Saved. Because of Peter. And this is what Peter's saying to you and I. We have like precious faith. As he does. He doesn't have something that you and I do not have. So on your journey, this journey of faith, you're, you're walking out, your mountains you're looking at, your situations you're dealing with. We have the ability, the grace, and the faith to walk it out because it was given to us by God Almighty through the obedience of His Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for us. Galatians chapter 2 Verse 16 and 22, very powerful verses. It says in verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by what? Faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ. Not about our works, but simply in Christ Jesus. Verse 20, I've been crucified with him, Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And listen to this, in the life which I now live, the life which you now live, not the life you used to live, but the life you now live in the flesh, I live, he said, by the faith in the Son of God. You are in the flesh, but you do not have to be dictated by the flesh. 
Why? Because of the spirit of the living Christ is in you, enabling you to do and accomplish. Love, I love this ability to have the powerful faith uh, that, that has been given to us, promised to us, because we live through Jesus Christ. Everything that God has called you to do, he's enabled you to do, not through yourself. Greater is he that is in me than he that is against me. I can do how many things? I can do all things in me because I'm just a supernatural, amazing, super Christian person. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing that the Lord has called you to do that you are not able to do. Therefore, you have to change your words. Boy, I don't have time to I don't know which one of these clocks I'm supposed to be looking at. That one doesn't seem to be moving, and that one's just flying by. So somebody's going to have to retrain me on the clocks. Uh, One last scripture before I get into my scriptures uh, that I want to share is 2 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain, how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great. He didn't just say great. Peter says exceedingly great and precious promises. We have promises that have been given to us that are exceedingly great. It doesn't matter When the Lord speaks to you, what you're going through in the natural, what matters is what does, did God's word have to say. Now to get there and to walk in in victory, you're not going to just jump up and go do it because all hell's going to be against you. Talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. You, You grab hold of the word of the Lord. And when you're in church, you're in your small group, you're in your connect group, you're in your prayer group, you're in one of the prayer meetings during the week, people are around you, you share a word, everybody's encouraged, you you can do this, I stand with you, yes, do this, walk in this, It's, it's great and awesome. And man, do we need all of that. But then you walk into reality, right? You go to the parking lot and you get in your car with 57 people that are in agreement with you. No. Get in your car by yourself, and you head to wherever you're going, and you're dealing immediately, the enemy comes. How, how quickly does the enemy come to, to steal, kill, and destroy, or to rob the Word from you? How, how quickly? Immediately, before you can get out of those doors to the parking lot, the enemy this morning is going to come and try to begin to rob you of whatever it is that you really needed today in this place, with all kinds of negatives, thoughts, doubts, or just bring somebody from church, get all up in your space, take your toilet seat, and dump all over you. And before you can get away from them, you're asking for toilet paper. I mean, they just dumped some stuff on you. You ever been to church and been dumped on? Come on, be honest. And, and, and I mean, your mind, everything, it's just like, they didn't mean to do that. 
They were just being used by Satan. Pastor, you shouldn't say that in church. They love Jesus. Well, well, Peter loved Jesus, and and Jesus asked the question, hey, who who are they saying that I am? And Peter says, they say all this stuff. And then Peter says, but you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turns and says, Peter, wow, by revelation, I'm going to build my church on this. Peter, hey, boys, (laughs) y'all heard that, right? And the next thing, Jesus says a statement, and Peter runs up and rebukes him. And Jesus turns and says, devil, get behind me. I mean, he looks right at Peter and calls him a devil. I have never called any of y'all a devil. <laughs> to your face. <laughs> Gotta love me to get to heaven. All things that pertain to life and godliness given to us through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. I'm to, my, I'm to my passage. Here we go. Uh, Mark chapter 9. You got to turn there in your Bible, okay? I know, I know you're looking at the screen up ahead, but if you got a Bible, turn it. If you got your smartphone, open it up. Highlight this stuff. I love this story. It's also found in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew tells this story first and talks about Jesus going up and, and uh, uh, a few of the disciples are with them, and uh, the angel of the Lord comes, and, you know, these guys show up, and Peter just like, whoo, wow, we need to build monuments here, build statues, and, and, uh, and, and then they come back off the mountain, and they have this experience that I'm about to read to you, both in Matthew 17 and Mark chapter 9, but listen to me. I want you to understand that before I, I read you this story, I want you to remember that Jesus has already sent out the disciples two by two. He sent out the 12, he sent out the, uh, the 70, he sent out the 120. They had gone out to do the work which Jesus called them to do, and they were blown away by what they saw. Man, demons fled, blind eyes were opened, deaf people heard, lame people walked. And Jesus said, that's cool and awesome, that's great, but that's not the biggest thing. You remember this, the, the, the passage? And he just reminds them. <clears throat> so then we come to this uh, story, and, uh, and it's so powerful because if we can remember that all these things have already happened in the disciples' life, that this is not something new, but they have experienced it. They've had faith. They went out in faith. Jesus said, go, you know, don't, don't take an extra set of clothes, don't take food. Uh, when you go in the city, if they receive you, bless them. If they don't receive you, wipe the dust off your feet and keep on going. So all these things have happened in the disciples' lives. So we come to this story. Jesus comes off the Mount of Transfiguration with a few of the disciples. And it says in verse 14 that when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them. And scribes were disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and they ran to him, greeting him, and he asked the scribes, interestingly, he didn't ask the disciples, he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with my disciples? Then one one in the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. 
So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast this demon out, but they could not. It's powerful. Just think about that. But they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? I believe Jesus is speaking to his disciples right here. He's answered the question. He's asked the question. He's received the answer from the father of the son. He turns and he says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring this lad to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to this child? And he said, from childhood. And as often as he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now for all of you that are with me watching the just finished episode or season two of The Chosen. Uh, every time someone that had a great need asked Jesus, can you or could you or if you're willing, I just love how they portray Christ in that. And that is, you know, he normally, I loved it when he embraced the leper and said, I'm willing. So, After all this conversation, the father says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Now, understand this. In this story, did this father come to the disciples of Jesus, even hoping that Jesus would be there? Did he come after hearing stories that had been going around the city? Oh, yeah, you remember the blind guys over at the gate? They all see now. Yeah, you remember the lepers that out, were outside the gate? Man, they're all cleansed. Yeah, you, you remember uh, uh, somebody's son died and they were just heading out the gate to bury the child and, and Jesus interrupted and the child's alive today. This father took his son who was possessed in faith. Believing that if he could get to Jesus or his disciples, his son would be set free. Now, in the part in this story right here where we are, the disciples had tried. So, let's pause a minute about the father and the son, and let's talk about the disciples. The disciples had not only seen Jesus do a lot of neat stuff, The disciples had done a lot of neat stuff. They had walked and laid hands and seen people recover, healed, delivered. They're the ones running around with the big baskets. Peter, how how much you got? My basket's full. Twelve baskets of, of food left over. Didn't we just start with like a couple of pieces of bread and a fish or two? I mean, they had seen it. They had faith. They believed. But something had happened when this man brings this demon-possessed boy. And they, their faith got interrupted. By what? 
They spoke to the demons. They spoke to the boy. They cast it out in the name of Jesus. And the boy falls down. He just starts wallowing and spitting. and, And he's obviously not set free. And Jesus comes into the midst. And so now, at the point in the story, the man looks at Jesus. And, and he, he had faith, but now he's moved with unbelief, doubt. Because he says, if you can do anything, have compassion. Have compassion on us. And Jesus speaks to all of them and says, if you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. The Rock of Gainesville family, hear me. If you can believe, all things are possible. So what do we have to do to fight against that unbelief? Immediately the father of the child cries out and says with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I have faith, but I got unbelief. I got got some serious doubt. I'm tired of watching my son be tormented. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one that was dead, so that many in the crowd cried out, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the, into the house, his disciples came to him privately and asked, Lord, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus makes a statement that every one of us have read, we've heard. If you're a preacher, you preach this. I preached it. And he says, this kind can come out by nothing. Hector, would you go and get me that stool back there? but by prayer and fasting. Listen to me. Always in my life and always in my mind and always in my thought process, I perceived that Jesus was saying this demon can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. And this last week, thank you, Hector. And this last week, as I was meditating on that, I felt like Holy Spirit said, you don't need to fast and pray to cast out a demon. Use the name of Jesus. I believe that Jesus was speaking to his disciples and saying, your doubt and your unbelief won't go away without prayer and fasting. Wow. He wasn't saying, 
You got to pause and tell that demon you'll be back in a little bit. You got to go pray and fast. What delivers a person from demonic stronghold? The name above all names. The name of Jesus Christ. But he looks at his disciples and he said, something hindered your faith. And you got to get back to the prayer closet. You got to get back to the place of fasting. I don't have time to preach this message. I'll probably deal with it when I come back off my sabbatical. But we as a people have got to begin to learn the discipline of fasting and attach it to our prayer life. We are missing some things in the body of Christ. We pray, we stand, we hope, we believe, we prophesy. We want this to happen. But as we're praying, our mind's saying, but it probably won't. He's probably going to die. She's probably going to die. What will change that? Prayer and fasting. Setting apart so that your faith is not hindered does not waver in unbelief. Because as long as we're praying with unbelief, I am preaching this message, bam, 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 to me. I know it looks like I got my my guns out at at y'all, but I'm telling you, This is where I am in my life. I'm realizing that prayer and fasting is the only thing that's going to help me to get this mind completely in line with with what God's Word has to say about the mountain that I'm staring at. The mountain can be moved. Amen? Amen? The mountain can be moved. But when there's something hindering it, having a hundred people around you holding your arms up will not change what only prayer and fasting can do. One last story. Thank you, Krista. One last story. You've heard this quite a bit over the last few weeks, if I can find it. Romans chapter 4. Just a few verses out of what I've been reading to you over the last couple of weeks about Abram being renamed Abraham and what was happening in his life. You know the whole story. Abram was promised by God he was going to be the father of a great nation. He's going to have more sons and daughters than he could count. He had none. He's 100 years old. His wife's up there right behind him. And recorded in Genesis declared by Paul to the church at Rome. And he says, verse 18, he says, in hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. 
so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. 100 years old, says he did not weaken. Come on, somebody. God's spoken a word to you, and the first thing you do is look in the natural. I don't know how that's possible. It says he was not weakened in faith when he considered his own body, which was as, listen to this, which was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Look up here. You have faith. What's hindering you from getting the full promise of God that he spoke? Abraham didn't get it like that. He had to walk out his faith. Man, in today, in our society today, God speaks to some old guy, says, you're going to have a baby. Man, he's going to get on, he's going to Google that. He's going to get on Google and find out, what's the oldest anybody's ever been able to plant seed? And then he's going to think about his wife. She just, she's just old. And he's going to Google that. He's going to get on social media. Does anybody know, uh, has, has uh, you know that, that thing women go through? Has it ever been reversed? Menopause. Is it, is it possible to reverse menopause? He'd start, he'd start looking for answers. And it would have hindered his faith. He would have wavered in unbelief. When I was first diagnosed 20 months ago, went home, away from Suzanne, away from Jess, away from everybody, knew better, but I Googled multiple myeloma. First question I asked, how many people survive multiple myeloma? The answer, zero. Not one has ever, not one has ever been cured. Not one. I had to spend a whole lot of time for that one foolish moment to build myself up in faith. To say, but God said. But God said. But God said. Yeah, but you don't understand. It doesn't. But God said. In your life, what has God said? And what do you got to do to stop? That unwavering that comes because of the doubt. What door do you have to shut down? What, what thing do you have to turn off? What, what, what friend do you have to reject to get to the place? Because see, I believe everybody in this place has faith. But we don't see all of our prayers answered. Man, if we started logging them percentage-wise, we'd probably get discouraged. But God said, but God said, yeah, but you know, I know, but God said. And God said he's not finished. 
God hasn't spoken that word. And, and when we can come to the place where we know the word of God, get the word of God in us, get settled in at peace with that, that God knows my beginning from my end and my end from my beginning. And God's not caught off guard. And if God's given me a job to do, a purpose to live out, a place to minister, a place to go, a ministry to fulfill, then it doesn't matter what's going on in the middle because it's what God said. It's what God said. It's what God said. If God said it, then what I got to do to shut down this door of doubt, unbelief in my life, you're not going to shut it down by just coming to church. Church is a part of it. It's vital. But you got to be in the Word. And you got to be listening to the Word as you're reading the Word. And you got to be willing to say, God, what are you saying about this Word about me specifically? And then you got to be willing to start stepping out and activating that thing in faith. And you don't put a time frame on God. Some of you have had dreams and visions for years in your life, and you have, you have let the enemy rob you of those. Because, well, 10 years have come by, gone 20 years, 30 years. Excuse me, how old was Abraham? A hundred? How old was Sarah? Ninety? No kids, wound closed, but God said, but he said. See, I believe for every person in this place today, your faith, that measure God's given you, you got to guard it. You got to guard your faith. You got to watch over your faith. You got to pray over your faith. You got to protect your faith. Well, I, I don't even have time. That's a whole message. You, got, you, you better get it. Don't wait for me to bring it to you. You got, you got to find out from Holy Spirit what you got to do to guard your faith, guard your heart. And then as you begin to do that, and, then the, and the Father begins to remind you of things He's spoken to you, what's hindered that from coming to pass? Physical healing, marital healing, relationships, finances, your business, so hundreds of things. Everybody has a different mountain. Stop ignoring your mountain. I love Jesus. I know I got a mountain there. One day, maybe. No, you got a mountain. It's time to begin to speak to your mountain. Mountain! I need to tell you how big my God is. Get outside and begin to worship. God don't need a song leader to help you to begin to tell your mountain how awesome your God is. Lift up your hands. Look like a fool in your neighborhood walking around. This man, is somebody out there, is he being held up, being robbed? I think he's surrendered. Find a place where you can shout. Mountain. Yesterday, I was speaking to my mountain. And I was saying, you're going to be a molehill before long. Because God is bigger than you. He's bigger than this circumstance. He's bigger than this situation. God, well able. And he hasn't said something to you that he's not well able to do. To grace you. 
I want to ask you to bow your head right where you're sitting. The worship team's going to sing this song I asked them to sing for a minute or so, and then I'm going to encourage you in this. I want you to listen carefully. We're not done. We'll be through in just a minute. I don't care if one responds or everybody in this place eventually responds, but hear me. Go ahead and close your eyes. Just bow your head. Just quiet yourself before the Lord. You know you have faith. No question you have faith. Couldn't be saved without faith. You love Jesus. You love your family. You love the house of God. But you would have to admit today, you also have some unbelief. You have some doubt that has hindered you. And as Jamie and the worship team begin to sing this song, still believe. At whatever point you want, I'm going to pray for us in a moment. I'm not praying for increase in faith. We got our faith. But I'm going to stand against the demonic spirit of unbelief and doubt in your own personal life. There are things that hinder your walk, hinder your worship, hinder your prayer time. There are things that hinder your relationship with your husband or your wife or your children. And it's not a lack of faith, but it's unbelief. You've looked, you've watched, you've seen, and you've wavered in your faith. And today, I believe that we can break this in the spirit realm. Go back to our homes and begin to learn to pray and to fast and to obey the word of God until like Abraham, we'll not just be a great man of faith, but we'll be a great people of little unbelief. We will be a great people of little unbelief. Unbelief will not hinder us or cause our prayers to be stopped. So as Jamie and the team begin to sing this song, if Holy Spirit just brings that sweet conviction into your life and you want to join with me and others, you just stand right where you're seated right now. Just stand there. Begin to worship the Lord. Lift up your hands if you desire. And when we're through, we're going to pray. And I believe this thing's going to be broken in the spirit realm today in this church in Jesus name
want to stand and you're not stand quickly, but otherwise, for those of you that are standing, lift your hands before the Lord. You're watching online, lift your hands in your home today. We're going to break in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of unbelief, every spirit of doubt over our lives, where they're never going to have an impact on our lives again because what God said and what God promised, we are not going to waver in our faith and believe. That every word, God, you have spoken to us, we declare as we did last week, are yes and amen. And we admit this morning, Father, by the lifting of our hands, we admit that we have allowed doubt in our lives at times. We've wavered in our faith. We've wavered in our obedience. We've wavered because as much as we wanted to believe, we found ourselves discouraged, disheartened. We prayed those prayers before not seen an answer. And we allowed unbelief to just begin to stir inside of us to the point where when God said, Father, we struggled with believing. I pray in the name of Jesus right now over this house, those here, those that are watching online, over my life, over every one of us, that we first of all repent for unbelief. We repent for doubt, not trusting you. We repent for being so full of television and not enough prayer and fasting in our life that when we go through certain battles, we simply do not have the faith to stand. So we desperately needed others to stand on our behalf. Father, thank you that you love us. You're not condemning us today, but you are revealing life to this church this morning. You're revealing, giving revelation to those of us today that want to declare and stand and speak forth. If God said it, it's settled. I believe it with my whole heart in Jesus' name. We declare this doubt broken. We declare unbelief broken. We declare the discipline to pray and to fast and seek your face and to make declarations of life over our lives, over our families, over our children. We're going to stop letting others declare some wicked curse over our kids. We're going to break it in Jesus' name. We're going to reverse the curse and we're going to speak the life of God that our children are blessed. They're not ADD, double H, triple CD. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They are right in their minds. They're right in their bodies. They're right in their emotions. We're standing in agreement to see our children healed and saved and delivered and set free. That they will grow up in the house of God, loving the house of God, loving worship. And when the enemy comes against us, we will stand and not give up. We will fight to the victory. And we will declare your word, Father. We don't want to be like that dad who continually had to cry out, help my unbelief. Father, we're declaring today, we're, we believe. We believe. We believe I believe say it I believe say it again I believe
Father, we believe your word. We give you thanks. Come on, guys, finish that song. Sing this in faith now. The rest of you stand to your feet with us. Declare, we still believe. information about our church, visit therockonline.org.